Okay, today's episode is about injuries. So injuries are one of the most frustrating things that can happen. And when I think back on the 10 years that I spent doing multiple disciplines and training all day, every day, injuries were just something that seemed to happen all the time. And if I had known some of these things that I'm gonna share with you today, then I would have been able to not avoid all of them because that's not even the goal. If we're pushing our bodies to the limit, then we expect there to be some structural breakdown along the way. Uh, but certainly some of them could have been avoided with a little bit more proactive intention. And so why do injuries happen? Well, when you're doing a ton of complex movements, whether that's, you know, squatting or snatching or ring muscle ups, whatever it is, there's often patterns of compensation that happen. And all compensation means is that there's co-contraction happening, meaning more than one group of muscles are contracting. So for example, to rotate the shoulder, ideally you would only use the rotator cuff muscles to rotate the shoulder. But what often, what often happens is when shoulder rotation is limited, in order to access that position, the position of the scapula or the shoulder blade changes, and then the position of the thorax or the rib cage changes as well to accommodate the lack of shoulder rotation. And so we see this all the time with CrossFitters. They do a ton of overhead squatting and snatching and other overhead work that requires great shoulder flexion and rotation. And instead, of, if they don't proactively work to maintain their shoulder rotation, then the shoulder rotation seems to go away in exchange for excessive tightness in different muscle groups other than the rotator cuff that change the position of or the orientation of the shoulder joint so that they don't have to express as much shoulder flexion or rotation. So I hope that makes sense. And it's especially common in CrossFit. And I would say that it's, it's more common the more complex the movements that you're doing. The more complex the movement, meaning the more multi-joint and larger loads, moving larger distances, et cetera, then the higher the likelihood is of co-contraction because you're moving through such large ranges of motion and you're moving large loads. And whenever you're doing that, the opportunities for co-contraction are higher than if you're say bodybuilding. And one of the things that I wanna point out before we get into the guidance on daily movement prep and what that is and how it can help you stay out of pain is one of the things that I hear get tossed around is that uh, stretching doesn't do anything or stretching uh, can actually lead to a higher likelihood of injury. And I wanna talk about, I wanna address that claim quickly. So uh, my personal experience was going from not doing any of this stuff, being injured all the time, to hiring a coach who prescribed it for me a lot and doing it all the time, to moving into bodybuilding and not doing any whatsoever. And so I'm going to talk about, and now now I do it every day. So it was, it's been a, a roller coaster of personal experience. And I wanna talk about why that claim is made that stretching doesn't do anything and the study design of that and how they come upon those findings. So the first off, the individuals making the claims that stretching doesn't do anything are often bodybuilders. 
this is just a trend that I've seen and they're, they're evidence-based researcher bodybuilders who rely heavily on formalized research and to, you know, draw conclusions about what is effective and what isn't. Now, formalized research is awesome. I'm, I enjoy reading it and I enjoy incorporating findings into my practice, both personally and clinically. However, as a bodybuilder, your whole goal is to isolate a target muscle and then train that target muscle to failure. So you're literally trying to make it impossible to co-contract. You're trying to reduce the incidence of co-contraction to the point to where you're using these machines and you're using different leverages to make it literally impossible for co-contraction to occur. And as long as you're training full range of motion, then you're going to retain all of the positions that you need because you're not asking yourself to do these really complex movements. And the machines are eliminating, eliminating the possibility, the exercise selection, the machines, the equipment is, limit, is eliminating the possibility of co-contraction. And so that is the first thing that I would point out is that if you are a bodybuilder, then yeah, you don't need to stretch because you literally walk up to the machine, you do several sets really light and imitating the exact technique that you wanna use on that machine, the target muscle group is really warmed up and you're ready to go. And that is a totally different demand as far as neurologically and skill-wise is a totally different demand than walking onto a platform with nothing but an empty barbell and snatching it. There are so many things that can co-contract, so many compensations that can happen when you are snatching that literally can't happen when you are strapping yourself into a hack squat and positioning your feet such that your quads are perfectly isolated and training them to failure. And not that one is better than the other, it's just that if you're a bodybuilder, then your whole intention, your whole exercise selection, your whole equipment setup is designed to eliminate the possibility of co-contraction. So of course you wouldn't be as concerned about it. And those are the researchers, those are the individuals who I often see citing this research on stretching. And I'll talk a little bit, I'll delve briefly into the study designs on stretching and why I'm not a huge fan of them. And saying, you know, basically stretch if you want to, if it makes you feel good, but it's not really doing anything. So let me go into the study designs and why these researchers say that. So the study designs are often done with collegiate field sport athletes. And so the activities that they often have them doing are very fast. They're on the speed end of the strength speed continuum. So they're on the fast end of the spectrum. So I personally would not advocate a field sport athlete to do a three minute static stretch of the hamstring and then go sprint. And the reason for that is mainly neurological. You're creating all of this neurological laxity in the tissue that is going to have a ton of fast eccentric tension put through it. And that is a recipe for injury. So that is an instance in which, yeah, of course you wouldn't wanna stretch before you do that. Now, that is totally different from 
working on your hip rotation before you do a front squat in the gym. That is a completely different place on the strength speed continuum and a completely different level of risk. And so when you hear someone cite one of these studies and say, ah, oh, stretching is stupid, don't stretch because your incidence of injury is actually higher, you just gotta understand one, those study designs, and two, who the individual is that's making that claim. If it's a bodybuilder, if you're a bodybuilder listening to this, then don't worry about stretching. Like you don't have to do it. So, however, if you are an individual who's a power lifter or who's a runner or who is a crossfitter especially and you're demanding these extreme positions of yourself, then stretching is gonna be a part of your life, period. It's going to be a part of your life if you wanna do this for any significant length of time. And so I, I just wanted to address that first because that caused a lot of confusion in me, in my experience. It was like, well, here's all these jacked dudes saying that stretching is stupid and maybe they're right and I don't need to stretch and the whole goal should be to never do movement prep and to just be able to walk into the gym and do an overhead squat. And those are some points about why I think that argument is overstated. So just to contextualize that. Okay, kind of objection handling to initiate. So. To go back to the CrossFit example, when you're overhead squatting or you're doing a handstand walk or you are doing a jerk, you're putting your shoulders and your hips into these really extreme full range of motion positions, the opportunities for co-contraction are incredibly high. And when the opportunities for co-contraction are higher, then the opportunity to continue doing a movement, continue accessing a position, but doing it in a suboptimal way becomes even more likely. So how do you know whether you're compensating? Well, you'd probably know if you're starting to feel banged up. So things will start to feel tight, things will start to feel painful, and that is an indicator that you are compensating in some way. And so, uh, and this, this happens at every single level. Every single level, there's some sort of compensation happening, regardless of how advanced you are. And as long as you're doing these movements, then you've got to be stretching. You've got to be practicing accessing these positions in a really low intensity way so that when you crank the intensity up, the likelihood that you're compensating is lower. So the way you do this, ideally you do a functional movement screen with a coach who knows what they're doing and they assess your joints through every single possible, possible plane and they say, okay, your shoulder flexion is limited, your hip internal rotation is limited. Here are the things that you need to be doing to address those so that you can access a handstand walk, access a squat position more effectively. So ideally you do it that way, but if you're listening to this and you wanna do this on your own, that is totally understandable. And here's how I would do it. So it's going to come down to daily movement prep. And what I mean by daily movement prep, it's very specific. It is three exercises for upper body and for lower body, three times a day, every single day. So I'll say that one more time. It's three exercises, three for upper, three for lower, three times a day, every single day. And 
What I have seen personally and clinically is when we do it less often than that is the adaptations don't stick. So, and when we talk about adaptations, yes, we're talking about tissue length. We're talking about tissue range of motion. We're talking about joint, uh, excuse me, joint range of motion, but it's more neurological than anything you are. And, and that's also to refer back to the research studies. One of the things they'll look at is tissue length. And it's like, well, the length of the tissue didn't change. And it's okay, fine, but the athlete is accessing a position that they weren't accessing before. So even though the structure didn't change at all, something neurologically was altered that allowed them to access the position. So I don't care whether or not the structure changed or not. That's the whole point is to access the position. Okay, so coming back to daily movement prep. Three exercises, upper and lower, three times a day. So what does this look like? Well, it can be something that just feels sketchy. So you probably know just by me saying that what that is going to look like, or it can be something that causes you pain. So questions that I want you to ask yourself as you're taking stock, you're looking at the inventory of movements that you had. I'm looking at my overhead squat, I'm looking at my deep squat, I'm looking at my I'm looking at my, sh my shoulder to overhead. I'm looking at my handstand walk. Assess yourself. What is going on here? Why does this hurt? What feels tight when I do this? When I video myself, why do I look so different from the pros when they're doing it? Why don't I look like that? What is the missing piece? And how do I make this easier for myself? So if you remember nothing else from this whole chat, Take away, how do I make this easier for myself? If you're able to make accessing the position easier, then you're going to be more efficient. And so pick one upper body position, one lower body position, and work on it three times a day, every single day. And that is what's going to translate to your training. Now, why don't we just say, hey, stop co-contracting and just practice the overhead squat more. So this is a this is an opinion that came out, uh, really got popularized in the past five to 10 years or so. Um, it was kind of a reaction to Kelly Sturette and Supple Leopard and, you know, being a huge advocate for self-myofascial release and this sort of daily movement prep approach. And they were saying, yeah, I mean, I don't really need to do that. If I just show up to the gym and warm up the positions that I need, then I don't really need to do that. So it was kind of a reaction to uh, Kelly's success and Dr. Quinn Henock, who used to be with Juggernaut. I don't know if he's over there anymore. You can look him up. He has a lot of good content on this. And so it was sort of a, yeah, it was a reaction against what Kelly was saying. And I, you know, my personal experience has been doing the full gamut of whether it's CrossFit or tactical or bodybuilding and doing movement prep versus not doing movement prep, not doing anything and just showing up and expecting your body to perform and just warming up the positions that you need. I have found that movement prep is more and more essential the more complex the movement is that you're doing. So the more joints that are involved and the closer those joints are to the end of their range of motion, the more movement prep you need to do.
because that end, the, basically your accessibility of end range of motion will decrease over your lifespan. And so those extreme end ranges of motion, you have to be really, really proactive in maintaining them because especially in the case of the shoulder and the hip, because you don't evolutionarily speaking need to put your arms over your head and support a really heavy load. You just don't need to do that. There's nothing in our evolutionary biology that demands that you do that. Same thing with a really deep squat and loading that. Sitting in a really deep squat, evolutionarily speaking, absolutely. But sitting in a really deep squat with an extremely heavy load on your shoulders, no evolutionary reason to do that. And so the more deviant the demands of the sport are from evolutionary biology, the more movement prep is going to be required. And CrossFit has you do both of those things all the time in loads and amounts that are, to say the least, not required by our evolutionary biology. And those are just a couple examples, supporting really heavy loads overhead and supporting really heavy loads on your shoulders in a really deep squat. That stuff is, from an evolutionary biology perspective, we're not adapted to that. And so you have to put the time in proactively in your movement prep to keep those positions, keep access to those positions. Okay, so I'm gonna go through a practical example and then we'll recap and then we'll be done for today. So in the snatch, your shoulder is maximally rotated for stability. So this is a common example from CrossFit. Your shoulder is either maximally internally rotated or maximally externally rotated. If your shoulder rotation is limited in range or in strength, so say your rotator cuff capacity is compromised, then you'll contract other stuff to get into the overhead squat. This will be upper traps, it'll be triceps, it'll be, it'll be rear delts, it'll be rhomboids to retract the scapula. So there will be a lot of other things contracting to compensate for the lack of shoulder rotation, either in range of motion or strength, or the position of the shoulder blades will change or the position of the thorax will change. So there's all sorts of opportunities. I mean, I just listed like seven or eight things there. There's all sorts of opportunities for other contractions to happen to compensate for the lack of shoulder rotation. So you're working harder than you need to, to get into the overhead squat. So there's a lack of efficiency there. So if I just tell that athlete to practice overhead squatting, they're going to keep doing it the same way. There's not going to be a change in their shoulder rotation because when I ask them to overhead squat, the pattern of contractions that they remember is upper trap, rhomboid, rear delt, tricep, etc. In order to change the position of the thorax, change the position of the shoulder blades, change the orientation of the shoulder joint, instead of just rotating the shoulder. And so what we need to do instead of just practicing the overhead squat ad nauseum is we need to address their lack of range of motion or capacity in shoulder rotation so that they overhead squat differently. If you keep just doing overhead squats, you'll keep overhead squatting the same way. So we would practice shoulder rotation in their daily movement prep. Again, three time, three exercises, three times a day. 
so that they can overhead squat more efficiently. So you have to be able to walk, have to be able to rotate the shoulder before you can run, which would be an overhead squat or a snatch. Okay, guys, so to recap, if you are injured all the time and you're in pain all the time, you're probably compensating. So you probably have a pattern of co-contraction that is different from the most efficient pattern of contractions. Here is what to do about it. You assess yourself or you go through a functional movement screen with a coach and you do daily movement prep that addresses your lack of range of motion or your lack of capacity in positions that you struggle with every day. The likelihood that it's gonna to have to do with shoulder rotation or hip rotation if you're a crossfitter is pretty high. This usually involves three sets of alternating passive stretching with active contracting at end ranges of motion. The more complex the movements that you do, the less likely they were required by our evolutionary biology and the more you need to be proactive in keeping that range of motion because it will fall off, especially with time as we age. Pick one upper body position, pick one lower body position, assess yourself, figure out what feels sketchy, what feels tight, and choose three exercises upper, three exercises lower, and do them three times a day, every single day. That frequency and consistency is what is going to make co-contraction and compensation less likely and help you stay out of pain.